While Emer is in silent mode, I will be reading her blog. Hi, I am Jean Rooney, and I'm delighted to say that despite directing Emer Morrissey in her Gaiety showcase, she still wanted to be my friend. And indeed, it has become one of the most treasured friendships that I have in my life. And so, here we go, on with Emer's vocal adventure. It's the final countdown. The last time I had this operation, I was so worried about it, I mentally over-prepared myself for it, wallowing for weeks. This time was entirely different. I went from the consultant appointment on Friday to panto rehearsals that weekend and didn't really have time to think of the operation until I was at the hospital. I had the loveliest time playing the magic mirror in Snow White at the Civic Theatre. By the end of 47 shows, my voice actually sounded stronger. So much so that when I spoke to Mr. Consultant before he operated, he was taken aback by how good it was. It was by no fluke. During the run, I had really looked after my voice. I'm talking full on adulting. I went for drinks after a show a handful of times, steamed every day, had a lemon and ginger tea with honey before every show, kept my coffee intake to a cup a day and drank gallons of water. There were a few days where I went into town in for silver makeup to record voiceovers between shows, a firm reminder that my voice is my main instrument and I needed to look after it. So I did. Between panto and teaching, I worked right up until D-Day. The night before I felt fine and as my final class left at 9pm, all wishing me luck as they left me, it hit me. My eyes welled and my mind raced through all those irrational questions. Will this be the last time I'll have used my voice for work? Did I make good use of it? What if something goes wrong this time? Am I mad going through with this? But after a weepy voice note to the girls and some TLC, it was home to bed. I'd done this before. I'd be fine. And ultimately, I was. But I was not prepared for the next 48 hours. They were nothing like the last time. The longest time. I got to the hospital before 7.30am, feeling remarkably calm, or at least pretending to be. I was channeling my inner Chandler Bing and using humour to get through the hours that followed. Joking on Instagram that I'd missed mass in the chapel and laughing at the lady in the cubicle next to me who would only answer pre-op questions if the nurse brought her a cup of tea using one of those obnoxious voices. It's a hospital lady, not a hotel, and being polite to the nurses is the least we can do. Through the cubicle curtains you could hear everything. The nurse's script never faltered, handing everyone a gown and a flimsy piece of material that I was convinced was a hairnet. Until the nurse said laughing as she handed them over, here are some fake underwear for you that you need to wear. She needs a new script. Not one patient found her joke amusing. I was told I was towards the top of the surgical list, but the wait felt like an eternity. It was so cold on the ward that I had to cover my blanket with my coat for some heat. You should have asked for another blanket, I hear you say. I would have, only no one came in to me until it was time to go to theatre. I was listening to Spotify as I tossed and turned, and thankfully my pal Lauren, the evil queen from Panto, kept me entertained with voice notes as I waited. Never underestimate the power of a long voice note. Shake me, wake me, when it's over. At about 9.45am, I was on the move. All my belongings were taken away after being bundled into a large plastic bag and off we walked to theatre. You enter a weird pre-theatre holding cell area that is kind of like a department store changing rooms with no curtains. And a nurse waited with me. She was lovely, only back working after a career break to bring up her two kids on her own. She told me that she only works in the hospital part-time and that she had an online business selling crystals. I was dying to ask her about it but then Mr. Consultant arrived. 
He was his usually charming self, asked me how I was doing and was surprised at how strong my voice sounded, so much so I was expecting him to call off the operation. That is a gross exaggeration. To be fair, I could continue on without this operation and still be in a position to work, but if I wanted to make sure I had maximum use and full closure of the folds, I needed this procedure done. The theatre nurse arrived and they all went through the last few checks and cross-checks and we were off. The nurse took my hand, tucked my arm under hers and walked me to theatre. I didn't chat with the anaesthetist like last time and Mr. Consultant hadn't any music playing. It's a kind of magic was playing the last time. And I was ushered onto the table. Looking back now, I wonder if they were running behind schedule. The nurse was chatting to me as they tucked me in. She knew my face from somewhere and when we whittled down to Demo and Diver, she was delighted she could tell her husband she'd met me. She tried to explain the show to the anaesthetist, but he said something like he was too highbrow for comedy and laughed while feigning some interest in me being an actor. And then the red-hot sensation rushed through my veins, the mask was put on and I was out cold until I woke up in recovery. But oh no, I wasn't that lucky. Stop, don't panic. My eyes open and I can feel tears running down my face. Have I been crying in my sleep? I can hear voices and general movement. I try to swallow, to breathe, and I realise I can't move my tongue and I can't breathe through my mouth. People are moving over me, doing something, and I am terrified. I try to move my arms and hands to signal to them that I am awake, but I am unable to move them. I'm not sure if it's because they are tucked in or I am paralysed from the anaesthetic, but conscious, my head is working overtime. How to let them know I'm awake? For a split second, I tell myself, stop, don't panic, breathe through your nose. But my fight or flight had kicked in and no amount of rational thought was going to win. At this stage, I started to wriggle. I tried to move my head. I could hear someone say my name, tell me to stop. But all that was going through my mind was me roaring, I can't breathe, help. At this point, I'm not sure if I am making a noise. I hear them realise I am awake. They tell me not to move. Sure thing, I'll just suffocate here, don't mind me. They tell me that there are still tubes in my throat. No shit, Sherlock. And that I am to relax. Relax. I know it's their job, but all I am thinking is, are these people for real? I think it was at that point that I felt there was no understanding or urgency to get the tube out. And so I really started to wriggle. As much as you can do when you have just woken up from a general anaesthetic. It's at this point I am held down, more held in place, I am sure, and they take the tube out. But it feels like there is something still in the back of my throat. And then all of a sudden, I am unconscious again. Don't speak. I'm in recovery and awake now. But I can't stop coughing. Which after an operation on your vocal cords, you're told is a massive no-no. When you cough, you are harshly pushing air through the vocal folds and causing them to thrash against each other. The average size of female vocal folds are between 1.25 centimetres and 1.75 centimetres in length. And one of mine has just been cut open. So bashing these delicate little things against each other is problematic. Afraid I am going to do damage, I try not to cough. And I'm terrified, so I am now crying. You know that cry when you can't catch your breath? that type of crying. I'm waving my hands trying to steady my breath because that's a rational thing to do, right? And every time I swallow, I feel like there is something in my throat. At this stage in my head, I am 100% hysterical. When the nurse comes over, I point at my throat and she says, you're all right, Emer. It doesn't work. I make hand gestures that I need to write because I know I'm not supposed to talk. The nurse pushes my hands down. I try again. She pushes my hands down. You're all right, Emer. blah, blah, blah. 
I am sure my face looks like I've just stood on Lego. I am scared and in a rage that she is pushing my hands down. They are currently my only form of communication. She's effectively holding her hands over my mouth. I look around for help. A nurse's aide catches my eye and comes over. She tries to calm me too. I am struggling to catch my breath between the coughing and the distress and they give me a sedative. It helps, but I still feel like there's something in my throat and the urge to cough. I, more calmly now, attempt to mime writing on paper again. The nurse's aide says, she wants a pen and paper. Finally, someone is listening, hallelujah. But then the nurse replies, ah, she'll be grand. Feeling so alone and vulnerable, I look the nurse's aide straight in the eye and like I have mastered mind control, I say in my head, I need a fucking pen and paper. I'm not sure that I have mastered mind control, but compassion certainly got the better of this woman and she went and got me some post-its. I scribble something about having the operation done before and it not feeling this way, that it feels like there's something stuck in my throat and I'm not allowed to cough. My handwriting is wobbly, but apparently legible because the nurse's aide reads it out loud. The nurse replies, Ah, it's normal. Don't be worrying. Cough away there. The thing is in your throat. Ah, yeah, normal. I'll get you water. You're probably just feeling the sutures. This is where I internally start to lose the plot. You don't get sutures for an operation like this. So did something go wrong? Apart from me waking up, that is. Did I have sutures? What the hell happened? Or was this woman just doing like we all do in life, pretending to know what she was talking about? Either way, I wasn't instilled with confidence. The consultant was to see me before I left recovery, so I lay there and waited. All the time, tears were streaming down my face, and I was trying to control my breathing. I kept losing my breath, like a baby when they cry hysterical and then try to get it together. I mentally started doing first aid on myself as if I was talking myself through a panic attack. It was a slow process. I finally sorted my breathing, but the tears were like a leaky tap as I waited and waited to see the consultant. The person kind enough to lend me their voice for this blog is Jean Rooney. She directed my showcase from college way back when, and I'm delighted to say that since then we have become really good friends. You're an absolute legend, Rooney. Thank you for everything. Terms and conditions apply. I'll be silenced for two weeks. So I need to get all my talking out now. Visit www.silenceoftheshadowbox.com for more information.